that's why I lowballed it at 175 because I was my biggest fear is that I wouldn't be able to unload this thing if I got it under contract. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Perlis and we have a really interesting conversation today. We're going to talk in detail about a wholesale deal that someone recently did on their first deal and all the good things and bad things that can go on during your first wholesale deal. With us, we've got Kim Handelman. First off, how are you doing, Kim? Good. How are you? Very well, my friend. Very well. And I'm really interested in, in hearing you describe this wholesale deal and the pros and cons and kind of what went on because I've heard this story before and I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to share this with the best ever listeners because of everything that was involved. A little bit about Kim really quickly. She's been in advertising as an art director for 25 plus years. She's based in Guilford, Connecticut. How far away is that from New York City? It's about two hours. Okay, about a couple hours away from New York City. And she, like I said, she, she just got in, just completed her first wholesale deal. So it's, it successfully has wrapped up last month. And Kim, I'll let you tell a little bit more about yourself. You want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're doing right now? Yeah. So I've always been interested in real estate, but never really pursued it. Out of college, I went into advertising and became an art director. I had um, a long career in the big agencies, doing a lot of TV, a lot of print, direct mail. I um, first started in L.A., then I moved to San Francisco, and after San Francisco, moved to New York City, where um, I worked on accounts such as AT&T, American Express, Intel, Microsoft, 
And then I fell in love and got married and had kids. And advertising is not where you want to be if you want to have a life. And so I started thinking back to how much I loved real estate and how much it's always been a passion. And I realized that I could get into it and have some some passive income coming in and still be able to spend time with my family and, and do that on the side. So about a year and a half ago, I decided to get really serious about it. And so that was April of 2014. And I spent about six months getting out real estate, realized I needed money for capital. And that's when I decided to wholesaling. And so I really started my wholesaling career in November of 2014. All right. You spent six months learning about it. And then you decided you needed some cash or realized that you needed some cash to get the deals. So you decided to go with wholesaling as a way to get those chunks of cash. Then what? So I decided that the best way to find deals was going to be direct marketing, knowing my marketing path. So I designed big, ugly, yellow postcards that said, we buy houses. And I sent out my first mailing in November of 2014. And the, the printer actually messed up and made streaks on all of them. So I told them that I wanted them to reprint them and send them out again. So I actually got two mailings for the price of one, even though one wasn't perfect. I got no calls on that first mailing. How many postcards? 350. I live in a very small town called Guilford. And there's a very small town next door called Madison. And they're very, they're kind of like little sister towns. So I decided to start there because I knew the market well, and I knew all of the streets, I knew the neighborhoods, and um, so I felt like I could I could feel um, more comfortable talking to people about their houses in that area. So first 350 mailing, no calls. When the printer sent out the second mailing, I got one call, and I was at a restaurant with friends, and my phone rang, and I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> ran into the bathroom and I'm like oh. standing in a stall and I go hello <laughs> and this woman said you buy houses and I said yes and she goes I've got to get out just you have to get me out and so I scrambled for a pen and I asked her for the um, address of the house and I told her that I would call her the next day and we could discuss um, what her problems were and where she was at. And that would buy me the night to go home and jump online and do some research. So I went home and I looked it up. It was a condo in, in a very nice area of, of Madison. And so I kind of got some comps, got some ideas under my belt. And the next day she texted me and made it very clear that she didn't want to talk to me. She only wanted to text. <laughs> so, you know, you got to go with the flow. <laughs> okay, we'll just text then. And so I asked to go see the place. And at the time, I was, I, I didn't know a lot of people. You know, I, I'd done some networking, and um, but I really didn't know a whole lot of people in this industry. So I called a friend of mine who lives in Madison, who I had met at a RIA meeting, and he wants, wanted to start flipping. And I said, what if we do this deal together? He said, oh, my gosh, this is great. I know that complex. It's a great one. 
So we went to the, the meeting to, to see the place together as if we were a team. And the idea would be that I would actually sign the contracts and then I would just assign the contract to him. So he would end up flipping it. And basically what had happened was is that a pipe had burst and flooded the place and the HOA was responsible and they refused to do the work. So they had been in court. HOA tried to foreclose on them. It got ugly. And this woman had three sisters. All four sisters owned it together. And she just wanted out. They all four just wanted out. But they were bickering and fighting. So I was kind of managing myself with all these women fighting and yelling at each other. So I left telling them that um, I would write up, you know, the costs and I would get back to them with an offer. And I texted her that I had an offer and I wanted to discuss it with her. And she disappeared for three and a half months. Of course. Of course. So waiting, waiting, waiting and going on and, you know, doing whatever. And one day I just get this text. All right, I'm ready to sell. (laughs) So I once again told her, can I at least have your email so that I can send you, you know, a, a breakdown of what the costs are? I want to tell you why I'm offering what I'm offering so that you understand what's happening. And she did. And I decided to be really upfront. And I know a lot of people go back and forth on this, but I decided to give her my numbers and tell her, look, I'm in this to make money. So I have to make money, but I want you to know why my offer is what it is. And I um, outlined everything from how much the kitchen would cost, the bathrooms would cost, you know, redoing the hardwood floors, everything. And I sent it off to her, um, and I offered her $175,000. The ARV at that point was $320,000. And so I knew I had, to, I had to give her a reason for my lowball price. And she came back to me, and she said, can you do any better? Was that on text or email? We actually had graduated email. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So I got the email back. Was that all that she wrote in the email? Yeah, it was pretty much, can you do anything? Can you do better? I think that was pretty much it. And I thought, I don't know if I was more afraid of her turning me down or more afraid of her accepting, because if she accepted it, that meant that I better have a good deal on my hands because I was so afraid that I was not going to have a big enough spread for the flippers. And, it, you know, when you're new, I was new to, to estimating. I was new to, you know, running numbers. So I, that's why I lowballed it at 175 because I was, my biggest fear is that I wouldn't be able to unload this thing if I got it under contract. And so she got back, or I got back to her and said, I can really only do 80000 and I'm willing to take that out of my profit. If, um, what do you mean you can only do eighty? I thought the offer was one seventy five. I can only do one hundred and eighty thousand. Okay. And I said I'll take some out of my my profit in order to make that happen. And she got back to me and said, "Done. Send me the contracts." Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I will do that. So I realized this was a big mistake. I did not have a contract that I trusted, and so I called a lawyer that I had met at the RIA meetings. And he said, Oh, yeah, I can do that for you. 
And so now I've got them hanging, waiting for contracts. Uh -oh. And this lawyer is like, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And so he writes up this contract and then he says, oh, I can't send it to you tomorrow. Maybe I'll get it to you Thursday. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've got somebody waiting here for contracts. So that was very stressful. I really wish that I had paid the money to a lawyer, sat down with them and gone through everything that I needed before I had somebody waiting for a contract. How much did that lawyer cost, by the way? All in all, I've actually got his bill right here. All in all, it was 500 but that was for everything. So for the contract, it was about $170. Okay. It's about less than an hour's worth of work, probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, this was not a big deal. But he did admit to me halfway through this process that he had never done a wholesale contract before. Even though on the phone he, oh, I can have no problem. And then he goes, well, I've never really done a wholesale. I was, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I'm going through this contract and he highlighted an assignment clause and he made it like an entire paragraph and it freaked her out. And at this point, the emailing was getting kind of hard. So I actually asked the woman if I could discuss this with her or one of her sisters. And she had one of her sisters call me that ended up being great because that woman couldn't have been more opposite. She would get me on the phone and she'd be chatting about everything. <laughs> I was getting the background of the family problems, everything. And But it was good because I, I had her on the phone and she said, we're not signing it with an assignment contract. And so I had to talk through. Why not? Well, she, because her lawyer told her that it would take longer to close and that this would drag out. Okay. And so I had to explain to her that having the assignment contract is actually a good thing because flippers do a whole lot of houses and sometimes you've got money and then it takes a week for somebody to get something back to you. And in that time, you start another deal. So money is kind of up and down all over the place. And my friend, who I'd gone into this deal with, found out that there was a $650 HOA fee, and he panicked and backed out on me. Oh. So I had no buyer, and I had to assign this. So if she wouldn't allow me to have that assignment clause in there, I was dead in the water. So we had a nice discussion about it, and I explained to her, I work with a pool of flippers, and if she allows me to assign it, I can find somebody that is ready to go now. And she got it. She got the concept. She thought, okay, it's okay. She came back to me. They, they approved the contract. Every single step of the way, because there were four sisters involved, took a week to two weeks. So I would get that back to them fairly quickly, but then they would sit on it for a week to two weeks because of all of the sister haggling. So now we're all the way up into June. When did this start? When did you first, when did she first call you? She called me in December. December. Okay. I saw the place in January. She disappeared until April. And then the back and forth went from April to June. And then um, in June, I finally got a signed contract. And I went to a meetup because I, I had to find a, a flipper. And I'd been going to meetups every month. And I knew a couple of flippers that were really interested. 
And I had gotten to know this one flipper um, named Travis, who's fabulous. His boss, he works for a company that flips, and his boss does two houses a month. And so he's constantly looking for deals. And he's just a stand-up guy, and he's always sitting down with me and helping me out. And he did an analyzer for me in Excel so that I could analyze my properties. So I knew I could trust him. And I showed him the deal. And he pulled me aside and he goes, okay, first of all, Kim, he said, don't give up all your numbers to the flippers because they're going to know your margins and they're going to talk you down because I gave him everything. I was like right out on the table. Here's everything. (laughs) And he said, and second of all, this is a lot better deal than you think it is. And I had put in a $5,000 flipping or um, assignment fee because I'm new. I just wanted to get my feet wet. And he said, you have a great spread here. This is a really good deal. And so we went online and we redid comps because it had been two and a half months, maybe even three months since I had run the comps. And now the place was worth 340000 So it was even a better deal than it was when I first got it under contract. And originally it was three hundred and twenty. was the ARV. Yep. So it, yep. It, in those three months... The area had gone from 320 to 340 because a couple of units in the complex had so- had sold for higher and it had kind of skewed the numbers up. So my friend told me, he said, you know, you could probably go out and get $20,000 for an assignment fee on this because of the spread. And he said, I do really high end flips. And so I put more money in mine. And he said, I'd be willing to give you 15 for this. But I understand if you'd rather go to somebody else and try to get 20. And because I was new, I said, first of all, 15 was so much more than I ever thought it was going to get. I said, you know what? I trust this guy. I know that he closes and does good deals. And I know that he's going to hold my hand through this. So I said, I want him to do it. And so I assigned the contract over to him. And then... I thought, woohoo, right? You feel like you've done it, right? No, it's never that easy. (laughs) Why not? What happened? Well, it's a condo. And I've heard tons of nightmares about HOAs. And I thought, oh, it's, but there's no, there's no yard and there's no, you know, street stuff. And there's like, it's just the inside walls of a space. How hard could it be? But the HOAs can be a real nightmare. And boy, I'm telling you, I'm still managing all of this at this point. I don't even, I know they had signed the assignment contract, but there was still problems with the contract being valid because I found out through the management company that the HOAs in Connecticut, there's a rule that says they have first right of refusal. And they can buy the pla- they they can buy the place and they have the right to say no, we're gonna buy it. So where did it end up? The HOA came back to us, thank God, and said they weren't gonna exercise that rule. But then again, that took us a couple of weeks to figure all that out. And then there also was I'm trying to think, the HOA had to sign off on a bunch of stuff allowing us to sell the property. That was the biggest yeah, that was the biggest one. And it took me a couple of weeks. I was on the phone with the management company. So that was a big problem. But they finally did sign off on it. And when they signed off on it, we closed within two days. 
But, you know, it took quite a while for the HOA to come around. And what day did you close? We closed on August 4th of this year. August 4th. Yeah. From December to August for the deal. Yep. They called me on December. I think it was December 17th. (laughs) And in between all this time, were you actively promoting or were you actively doing direct mail or did you, were you just focused on this one deal? Okay, so so now you've come up to that. What's the biggest mistake you've made? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just could kick myself. You know, I've got 25 years of experience in, in direct mail and advertising. I should have known better. I was so I was so stressed about. Well, it wasn't that. I had four months when she didn't call me, right? So I have no excuses. I had decided to try to do an internship with somebody who ended up not being a good fit. And so that was like two months. And then I put $2,000 down on this deal because she wouldn't take any less. And so all my funds were wrapped up in this deal. So I used that as an excuse. But the the reality is I, I dropped the ball and I should have kept marketing. I think about it now and I think I did two 350 postcard mailings and I got a deal what if I had kept that up every two weeks? I, I'd be rocking and rolling right now. You'd be rocking and rolling. Yeah, you have a couple of them under contract. Lots of learnings from this deal. And I'm glad that you took us through this deal in detail because we very rarely take this approach on the show. And I think it's, I, I know it's valuable for anybody because you walked us through a real life circumstance on a deal and from a kind of a finicky seller to an HOA that has more authority than they should and to a family that's, you know, trying to decide what to do with the place to someone who's, you know, figuring it out on the, on the fly and meeting a lot of meeting, um, a lot of different uh, circumstances that they're having to overcome. So really cool. I mean, thanks a lot for sharing really quick. Now, Based on all this, what's your best advice ever for real estate investors? You know, it's basically to just do it. Get out there and do it. And when I say that, I spent I spent 25 years thinking about how cool it would be to get into real estate. And remember, this is way back before the internet. I talked to a friend when I was a freshman in college who said, um, I'm going to be rich in real estate. And I said, oh, you're, you're going to be a realtor? And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to own apartment buildings and rent them out. And a light bulb went on in my head. Oh, my God, somebody owns all those apartment buildings. Somebody's making money on that. And I didn't do anything about it. And I lived in L.A., okay? Can you imagine if I had gone gangbusters in 1985 in L.A.? Yeah, you and Magic Johnson be... <laughs> Both multimillionaires. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, if you're out there just starting now and you're reading books and you're listening to seminars and you're, you know, don't don't just learn. You got to get out there and actually do. And if that means one thing a day, like day one, you know, order business cards. Day two, go to a RIA meeting or um, sign up on some real estate sites and, you know, get active in forums, open a post office box for your business, reach out to a, an attorney and get them in your back pocket. 
every single day. Take somebody out to lunch and pick their brain. And then one day you're going to go, oh, my God, somebody just called me in a restaurant and I'm in a bathroom stall starting my first deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to just every day has to be something active to do because it's way too easy to just learn, learn, learn and not start. Awesome. I love it. I completely agree. I recently had a, an episode where I talked about doing instead of focusing on when, when you're inspired for to accomplish something instead of focusing on what you're going to accomplish just focus on doing a uh, daily action what are you committing to do what are you committing to do once every day for 90 days and i think that there's a lot of power i know there's a lot of power in that just those daily methodical steps you ready for the best ever lightning round yeah all right first a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-a-n-d.com forward slash best ever. Okay, Kim, what's the best ever book you've read? Getting Things Done by David Allen changed my life. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? I moved to Australia for a man when I was 21 years old and he dumped me the day after I got there. <laughs> and and um, I picked myself off and I dusted myself down in a foreign country and I still made it. So now I know even when you're devastated and you're down to the bottom of the barrel, you can pick yourself up and keep going. Really quick, that on the book, why did it change your life? Because he teaches you how to get every single thing out of your head and down on paper so that you know where it is and it's safe. All the crap you have to do every day. And then that releases your brain to be able to, to think on the bigger things and be creative and move your life forward. Best ever way you like to give back? I'm really passionate about teaching children financial literacy. I think that it's horrible that our schools don't teach it and that kids graduate from high school and they have no idea how to balance a ledger or you know, even handle a credit card. I've had a guest on the show before. Her name's escaping me, but she's based in Atlanta and she actually has uh, programs for kids and, and helping them with financial literacy. If I can remember her name before the end of the episode, I'm going to... I'll, I'll let you know what it is because I think you'll, you'd enjoy connecting with her. Oh, that would be great. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? <laughs> in my short career, not marketing. Stopping my direct mail campaigns. If I had gone forward with that and, and really built a marketing machine back last November, I'd be knee-deep in deals, and I'm not. So that's what I'm doing right now. And the guest's name is Dara Brunstein. Ah. So you can, yep. She was on the show and her episode number is episode, I'm Googling, 151. 151. Yeah, three lessons learned from devastating business losses. She's an incredible person. She's the author and founder of Finance Whiz Kids. Oh, love that. Yep. What's the best ever place to reach you? At Kim at dwellinginvestmentgroup.com. Well, Kim, thank you so much for being on the show. I love that we went through this case study in detail. 
I'm not a wholesaler, but boy, did I take away some things from this. And I'm confident that the best ever listeners did, and especially those who are interested or currently doing wholesaling. One of the things being that you always want to have a lot of buyers in your pool because in your case, you had that one potential partner, then he got scared away from the $650 HOA fee. So you need to find others. The other is HOAs can be quite challenging uh, to say the least. And you know, you'll, you'll want to make sure that you know all of the, the authority that the HOA has whenever you're investing in a property. And you want to read through that really closely. And you know, just the timeline, how long it takes to do a deal. One of the, the mistakes that you mentioned that you made is not continuing to market, especially if you're getting buy one, get one free direct mail with smudges on your direct mail. I mean, especially you, know, you want to keep marketing with that at right. a good discount. And then, you know, just the tenacity and the just the, the really tenacity, that's the best way I can describe it with a, a deal from December all the way through August that it took so long to close with many different intermittent text exchanges and communication with the seller and her family. So thank you for sharing your story and talking about your advice and, you know, just do it. Totally agree. Take methodical steps every day and, you know, don't focus on the large stuff, just take small steps every day. And that's, that's really the best way to, to tackle big stuff. So thanks for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot.